Okay, welcome to the IB, I hope this counts as cast podcast, a Q&A podcast about IB in general and tips and tricks and all the nitpicky stuff about TOK, cast, internals, externals, and basic and the basic IB life. Uh, my name is Michael and my guests are... Hi, I'm Mao from Thailand. I'm Andrew from the United States. And we will be the host for this glorious podcast for the next at least at least the next month. Uh, so let's talk about a little about ourselves. I'm Michael. I'm an IB2 student from Poland. Currently, we are, I am finishing the IB program. I've finished all of my extendeds and internals, so I get I have a little bit of experience about it. Uh, my TOKs are done, so the only thing left for me is to complete the CAS project, which is what you're hearing to right now. And the rest, the rest of the group, like, let's hear you. Well, um, I'm Mao, as, as I said before. Uh, I've just started IB, so I'm in my like I'm halfway through my first year of IB. I've so far been loving it. It's all right. Uh, there are a few downsides, but I'm finding everything pretty good. I'm getting oh I'm getting on top of a few things as well. So, um, my EE is getting launched uh, right now. Actually, our like EE programs getting launched now. So I'm excited for that. Ender. Like I said, my name is Ender. Um, I'm an IB student living in the East Coast of the United States. I am a Year Two student. I have finished all of my internal assessments as well as my extended essay and my TOK stuff. So I'm almost done, aside from the CAS project, which is why I'm doing this. Okay, so let's talk, I think, a little bit about our subjects, like that guides our choices. Uh, so if I, I'm more, more of a STEM student, so most of my subjects are STEM-oriented. I have, I have applications and interpretations on HL, physics on SO, computer science on HL, uh, I really like science because uh, I envision myself as a web developer, so that's the closest as, as you can get uh, to the technical professions. And the rest of the subjects were German ab initio, just because the second language is usually required. Business management, because actually why not? I would have choos chosen anything, but business management had the nicest teacher of all. And the, the English A, because, well, I'm a... Although my English is not the first language, uh, I still have to improve in it, so that gu that guides that choice. Okay, Mao? Well, for, for me, I've I, I I always been a person that preferred to write more, like when it comes to assessments or work in general. So I've sort of specialized into like sort of writing subjects. So for my HLs, I have history, global politics, and English uh, language. And for my standard subjects, I have uh, math, uh, in interpretation and, and application, and uh, design technology as my science, and then I have French ab initio as my language. Um, for me, I follow a very traditional style of education. I didn't choose to specialize in anything, but my school has a very streamlined uh, IB program. So the classes that I'm taking right now are mathematics and applications, or mathematics applications and interpretations, 
Latin, uh, English, language and literature, uh, contemporary science, biology, and of course, theory of knowledge, all around normal. My HLs are biology, English, and history. Well, yeah, so may, uh, maybe one of the uh, things that the IB is different from the other programs, such as AP and GSCE, is the teaching style. So my uh, the experience of teaching in my school was pretty, I guess I could say different from what it could be expected from an IB program, and definitely not in a good way. Uh, there are a lot of decent teachers in our school, but there were some problems with them. As an example, our math teacher for the first, I guess like for the first six months, uh, our teacher was absolutely incapable of teaching our class. Uh, it, it it went to the point where uh, the students would go to me to check their internals, to check their understanding of the material. It was a fun experience, and I did try to make it as a CAS project, but unfortunately it did not get approved. So I guess I was doing that just of the free, out of the free will. And then the COVID happened, and luckily, well, for us, he got sacked, and we received a different teacher. She was at the time teaching analysis and approaches, and yeah, she. I think she was a really great teacher, Marlena Nowacik. Uh, she gave us tests all uh, every Monday, and although it was hard for my uh, class to adjust, like they got used to not doing much in their classes. And now they could like reinforce their knowledge, and uh, even I, as an outsider, I can see that their their understanding of the subject and their grades have improved significantly. But all good things come to an end. So from uh, from the beginning of the second year, our teacher uh, has changed once more, Milos Kravyak, and that that is, that was a failure and an overlook from the directia well, the headmaster and the secretary because he literally he went to the boards and he wrote some form formulas not talking to each other not answering questions and in the end uh, all of my classmates that we compiled like a 3000 word essay to our headmaster describing how bad of the teacher he was and luckily got through and yeah, he got replaced and we got a new teacher. And currently uh, we have like two additional classes of math every, uh, every week. And we have to work really hard on catching up to the exams because the mocks are next week and the exams are in one month. And yeah, we haven't even covered 80% of the syllabus. We're like 70% through it. So, yeah, the math experience was definitely not a very pleasurable one. Uh, is that a common thing, Mao? Um, well, for me, I, I got lucky. Like, I love my teachers, man. Um, like, for my high-level subjects, I got all, all of them were, like, uh, head of department, so they're, they're amazing. Um, I especially like my uh, history teacher. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Although he does spend a lot less time, like, talking about his own life and, like, uh, cracking jokes about his like ch uh, about his son or his wife um, those jokes are pretty entertaining and um, so it's just have fun to ha have him around but he, he also doesn't neglect the fact that he still needs his teachers so he most of the time um, he would teach us things and then sort of link the key themes of what we're learning to like stories he knows so 
um, may perhaps we could be learning about like authoritarianism and how that works. And he may like give an example with our class saying, uh, if student A, for example, was a dictator and wanted to silence everybody, um, surely he would do this to like, let's say, uh, student B who's been talking shit about, uh, the, about his regime or something like that. So I love my history teacher. Pushes me to do a lot of things, you know. Uh, teaches me how to write, write more as well. And he always sort of forces us to learn new vocabulary that helps our like, helps our uh, own sort of uh, vocabulary to improve. Um, so yeah, overall history is my main subject. I love it. That's why it's one of my HLs. I love uh, learning about like just authoritarianism, how different governments rise and fall. Uh, and that's why I also linked it to global politics, which is my other HL, which is also pretty fun. Um, I I really enjoyed. I I really do enjoy. We learn a lot about like human rights around the world. We have some case studies, so we learn stuff about um, like specific sort of trade wars. Uh, there was this one case study we had of um Coney twenty twenty twelve, um. It was all about like child soldiers and so on, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I also feel that I have, I have somewhat of an advantage in that class as well, considering I know like the history behind the mod behind modern politics. So I usually take a very historical stance when it comes to politics. Uh, one other like positive side, I live in a country that is somewhat not quite politically stable, so. We have plenty of like examples about like political ideas here, uh, like freedom of speech, you know, like um, government government powers and so on. Sadly, we can't talk any talk about this nation. Sadly, even though it's like brimming with political, um, I don't say issues, uh, political, um, political uh, scenes. Yeah, perhaps. Um, my my other stuff, my other HL, which is English, I love that one too. Uh, I feel English benefits my other two HLs since it's like mostly essay writing. In English, we just specialize in that every single week. Um, every single week, we, we we usually get assigned one essay, and we have this very strict format. My teacher loves it. It's the it's a petrol paragraph. I'm sure some of you might know it. Oh, it's point. Uh, Evidence, technique, analysis, then link. Um, that is like the standard paragraph for any good essay. And ever since I've ever since I've uh, picked that up, I've been getting a lot like higher grades. I've been getting a lot of sevens, a lot of sixes. So I highly recommend uh, any any student who's doing it like an essay writing class or like essay heavy class, uh, learn the Petro paragraph like and stick by it. Stick stick by it religiously. That's my advice. Yeah. But yeah. Overall, like the teachers at my school are all right. We don't have any issues. Well, well, like I don't have any issues. My teachers, but like a lot of the other kids hate their teachers. I'm just glad I got lucky. Maybe they, it's like a couple of things. Like it's subject specific because uh, my uh, well, not my. I don't have history, but uh, our school history teacher. He's also the TOK teacher, and that's a pretty strange and weird combination, if you ask me, because 
he's he's kind of a nice guy, but he's uh, sometimes unnecessarily strict and without like giving any uh, reason why he's giving us the grades. Because like I've heard stories about pre-IBs uh, getting once on history for literally no reason. And he would not explain and or elaborate, like, why did you give it or how can I be better? As the TOK teacher, he's kind of fine as long as you listen to him. Because uh, for the first, like, half a year of the IB first class, I really struggled with the TOK because I struggled to understand what was required from me. Like, what does he need me to do? And uh, I don't know if others write it, but uh, we had like four journal notes that we had to write on a specific theme, a specific area of knowledge. And for the first like three or four, uh, I got like three, threes or fours. And uh, I struggled to understand like what, from what perspective should I look at it? Like at the final, uh, uh, at the final side, I managed to like understand it. And like a simple tip to all the potential or current IB students hearing this podcast, uh, do listen to what your TOK teacher tries to tell. Because even though like uh, I might not like uh, our TOK teacher, he is good. Uh, if you listen to him, he's good at explaining what does he need from you. It's like that you have to listen and follow it like literally line by line because sometimes you didn't open up the theme sometimes you uh, went for a different perspective which doesn't really fit the area of knowledge so yeah my experience with TOK was pretty it, it was a rocky ride but in the end I managed to do this like the presentation uh, the presentation oh Jesus the presentation that was really stressful because uh, even though like he's critical and sometimes he under sometimes he tells you what's wrong in the end I literally I reworked my whole TOK presentation like maybe like two or three days before the actual presentation I and the day before I practiced the whole night uh, just to get all that extra information because I'm a sucker for writing I write if I'm asked to write about something that's relatively interesting to me, I write like a lot more than it's usually needed, and I have to force to speak myself really, really fast to fit it in. So for the 10-minute 10, 10 presentation, I did it alone. Uh, the text for the presentation, it was like 1,600 words, and with the images and the presentation itself and all the animations, I had to speak really, really fast. But in the end, it all worked out. So I think I got a, like a seven, I guess, which is acceptable. Uh, so yeah, the the thing is with the TOK, it's not. Uh, they say rightly at the beginning of the book on the TOK, you don't need to know like anything, like as you know in math or physics, in order to get a good grade in TOK. It's more than just a subject. I think it's so. Uh, way of thinking as, as cliched as it might sound you really have to like think about what do you claim and how does this all work together in the greater picture so what about you Andrew like is the TOK anything like it or is it like stricter or simpler well um, judging by how most people 
um, experience GOK, I would argue that majority of people either absolutely hate the subject or are somewhat amicable towards it. It's not necessarily a fun subject to take for a lot of people, but I think the important part of TOK is to understand how to make connection between certain areas of knowledge and how to actually discuss those connections and elaborate on them. That would be the biggest advice I would give to anyone who's listening to this podcast. Um, just to try to make sure that if you have an area of interest that you would like to talk about, that you would either like to um, do your presentation on or write your essay on, you would understand how that topic can connect to the areas of knowledge and ways of knowing that your teacher would have taught you. Um, if you do that, I think you'll be perfectly fine. Although I will say my TOK experience, generally speaking, was <laughs> abysmal. <laughs> it wasn't fun at all. said before TOK is mostly just about understanding how to make connections if you do like uh, philosophy generally speaking you probably will like the class um, however if you are more of the uh, the straightforward type if you like let's say mathematics I would say you probably wouldn't like TOK as much although that might be more of a subjective opinion but uh, yeah I don't think TOK is necessarily terrible it definitely depends on who is teaching it but overall if I were to give advice, I would say try to understand um, exactly the direction that you want to go and understand the exact connections that you want to make when you are trying to construct an essay or your presentation. Yeah, so about, I must agree with uh, uh, his assessment on like philosophy and TUK. I think Adam put it perfectly. If you if you enjoy philosophy and like thinking critically and thinking in a way that sort of multiple perspectives, then you'll definitely enjoy TUK. Um, like in my experience, I, I, I personally, controversial opinion, right, unpopular opinion, but I actually somewhat enjoy TOK. Um, it's like when my brain is ready for it, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to do it. Uh, I, I remember like first going into TOK class and coincidentally, the first ever, qu the first question was basically, what do we count as knowledge? And, and like, it was such a coincidence because I had bought a book. A philosophy book uh, like a year ago just on the topic of knowledge so I was able to dominate the first class and immediately uh, my TOK teacher just immediately took a liking to me um, she, uh, she just she just let me ramble on she just let me ramble on for 30 minutes and I feel that is the point of TOK so I mean the point of TOK is basically to discuss and see different viewpoints and challenge challenge each other so to force each other to like think differently so I highly recommend, like, if you ever want to excel in TOK, uh, I recommend you just read. You know what? You don't. You don't need to read like the actual books, the, the actual philosophy books themselves. But you can read like simplified explanations on like the web or so on. Personally, although I do enjoy philosophy, I don't like how it's written because most of the time it's written in a way that it's a bit too convoluted. And it, and sometimes I think. It's best when you're picking up philosophy, start with sort of simplified text, simplified text. So I recommend mostly just either like modern philosophy or uh, Eastern philosophy is also pretty good. The Eastern philosophy is mostly based on proverbs and sort of simple poetry or simple uh, haiku. Um, not, 
simple haikus. So yeah, if you enjoy oh. philosophy, take TOK. Well, you gotta take it anyway, but yeah, enjoy TOK. Yeah, you don't have much choice in the IP. I'd be forced <laughs> to do this. And speaking of connections and stuff, I also got lucky, but not with the first essay, but actually with the theme, with the prescribed titles for the final essay. Because one of the prescribed titles was Statistics Conceal as Much as They Reveal, and that was my prescribed title of choice. And it really appealed to me because, like, I'm a math guy, so I, I know one or two things about concealing statistics, especially with very, very legitimate uh, statistics of election in my home country. It's very legitimate and absolutely not tempered with. So that's, that's when for a very good uh, real-life situation. But uh, one like to give to anyone writing the, well, everyone writing the TOK final essay is to uh, lay down how the paragraphs flow from one, uh, from one to another. Like, it's not enough to, like, outline uh, claim situation, counterclaim situation, and repeat it once or twice. That would give you, that would give a good grade, but not like a perfect one. The thing is, I believe one of the greatest tips is to really connect uh, the paragraphs. Like, for example, in my case, um, the first real life situation uh, and the claim was that like statistics is sufficient uh, to like, mm, it's, it's uh, revealing in a way that uh, it's it has a lot of methods in it, so like it, it can it cannot uh, conceal much. Like if we uh, uh, define like statistical truth as like data and equations and correlations, and like the inferences of that as a separate entity, then we we can definitely say that statistics as itself as a science, uh, they don't uh, don't actually like conceal uh, because statistics. It's a science, it doesn't conceal, it gives you like raw information. It's what the implications you draw from this data is what matters. So uh, I said in the, fir the first real life situation was my physics internal assessment, where I had to like branch out into two uh, areas of statistics just to like make sense of the data that I was getting. Uh, however, the the counterclaim was uh, that these statistical uh, statistical implications are as important, and that's just how it it's flowed from that one paragraph to another. Like in the first, we say that uh, yes, statistical truth is always well true because it's basically it's raw numbers, but the implications is it's it's the implications that can conceal. Uh, so, for example, as the, as the real life situation, I got the graph for the like the temperature rising in, in the in the ocean. So, like if you put the temperature on the graph, like with the scale from minus twenty to twenty, like over the couple of uh, hundred years, like it will see the line like the jiggle in the area of like 20, 20 something degrees, and it might not seem like much, but when you present it on the scale, for example, from minus uh, from minus two to two degrees of difference, uh, it signifies just how drastic the changes in climate change are. Uh, so so it, uh, the statistical data is the same, like the, the average temperatures are the same, but by presenting it into a different statistical way, it allows us to draw more sensible implications from the data. So summing up, uh, it's really important 
So first of all, uh, in the first paragraph, really, really important thing, you have to define uh, the terms that you would be discussing. Because uh, one of the failures that I've encountered when I submitted my first draft is I went straight to the theme of the essay without actually defining the terms that I was using. So like I was using the term statistical truth. Well, what is the truth? The, the truth is uh, without the explicit definition that the truth is formulas and relations and stuff, uh, it's uh, really up to the viewer to decide and that's, that's the kind of ambiguity that you actually want to avoid. You want to say the reader what is what, because the reader usually doesn't want to think much. So uh, the key is really to give uh, as much context as possible, as well as, well, yeah, and then elaborating on this concept. And that was for the essay. Now for the purpose, I'd like to hear what you have said, because mine isn't like that interesting. So what about the experience of the TOK presentations? Like, uh, have you started working on it? Or in case of Ander, how did it go? And what did you get? For me, I haven't, I've yet to done it. So I think Ander is best to take this question. Um, sure. Well, my TOK presentation, I knew that I wanted to include um, history in it. Personally, I like history as a subject. And I believe that it will be the easiest. I approve of that. <laughs> of course you do. Um, I think it would have been the easiest to connect to some of the areas of knowledge that I would be most comfortable in pursuing. So uh, specifically, I focused on the nature of like bias and the distinguishing and distinguishing between personal and shared knowledge. So obviously, with the presentation, you do have to have some kind of flow. You can't just talk about the same thing for like, ten minutes straight. Um, but I would still say that you should try to focus on one kind of like I guess a theme focus on one kind of subject that you are personally comfortable with so for example when I was going through history and talking about um, the differences between knowledge about personal and shared knowledge that people throughout the world share I talked about things like the um, the way they teach about World War II in Japanese schools and the controversies surrounding that I talked about the um, I'm not sure if I should say this hold on I talked about the recent 2020 election, uh, specifically. As that oh, was, it's fine. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> it was uh, interesting. Of course, you shouldn't go into too much detail at the end of the day. You're not expected to uh, like, just talk about the subject. You're expected to make legitimate, valuable connections between the areas of knowledge and ways of knowing that you were taught within the class. So what I would recommend is trying to look at which areas of knowledge and ways of knowing you personally prefer or which are the easiest to you and then picking a subject that not only would work best within those um, areas of knowledge and ways of knowing, but also ones that you are personally comfortable with. Okay, uh, my uh, my presentation was, I guess, uh, I shot myself in the foot a bit uh, with the selection of the theme because uh, I my theme was relying on unproven claims in further research. And uh, shoot, the shooting uh, myself in the leg part was choosing math uh, to do this because in the math, like, there's rarely we build on something that it's unproven. But after scraping the internet for the whole weekend, I came across like this hypothesis, the Riemann hypothesis, and I elaborated on it. Uh, so the experience w wasn't that uh, n n notable. It's 
I, I wrote down the text, I made the presentation, there wasn't much really to it. Uh, the, the theme was like, I had it like in 10 or, or, or so slides, uh, but I had a lot of text. Uh, I really, really, when I'm in the flow, I'm really trying to explain my theme more and more to the point where after that I have to edit most of it. So in the final version, after many, many corrections, like deleting, I guess, a third of the material, I still had like 1,600 words. And I do not advise any of our listeners to do so, because you, you'll choke on your own words. That's what happened to me. Because at some point, the teacher had to stop me, because, wait, you would have to re-record this, because like you literally cannot pick up what you're saying, because you're talking so fast. Especially as, as this was online and the quality of the recording wasn't so good. But uh, one piece of advice uh, I would also give our listeners is to not start with the presentation. Uh, start with the what you will be actually talking about. And, uh, well, yeah, of course, you should take, an, uh, take the, the format of the presentation into account. So maybe like split up your text uh, slide by slide and then pr produce those slides. And another piece of advice is, please, please do not go with the default uh, templates which are given by Keynote or PowerPoint. Uh, all of your classmates would uh, probably use those. And in the end, like uh, your presentation would be just one of the presentations, not the presentation. So maybe some piece of advice could be that if you're more or less comfortable with vector design and like general design, you could try use the Figma, that's a design tool. It's mostly used from for like interfaces and icons and design and web design, but it can be as well used to craft the presentation template because it's really powerful and it can be easily converted to the PowerPoint format. And this would really help your presentation stand out and uh, suit your theme better. For example, uh, my template for the presentation, because it was math and it was claims, I had all, all those like uh, modern blue lines and like animations and like co color, but black and white images to not put uh, my, uh, pay my, much attention to it. So um, try to make the presentation really personal and connected to the topic because most of the default template, they're made to be general and reusable. And when you're trying to actually fit uh, every slide to what you're saying, it can achieve a much greater effect. And uh, one, uh, for example, one example of such approach could be color coding uh, the what you're putting on the screen. So for example, if you put an ROS, you could, for example, make it I don't know, underlined uh, with the blue line, uh, make a, a counterclaim, make a claim, uh, green line, counterclaim, red line. This, small, uh, this thing adds a little bit of personality to your presentation and it really shows that you actually put thought into it and not just stick with the templates. And it also helps uh, the viewers of your presentation to be guided. Uh, as they are, their eyes would be able to follow and like even on subconscious level to distinguish what are we shown and uh, focus more on not recognizing what is on the presentation and more hearing on you. 
Yes, important. Do not put any of the text that you will be telling on the presentation. Please don't. All of us are tired of uh, presentations filled up with 11 pixel text, which nobody reads. And uh, instead, the, the, the viewers would just sit there awkwardly and not, and not being sure if they are supposed to hear you or read the presentation. So really try to like polish this and uh, before the presentation also try to practice it a little bit. Uh, it mustn't be much. I practice my presentation. Yeah, I said I practiced all night, but you know how it goes. One practice of the presentation, gotta get a coffee. Another practice of the presentation, gotta get an energy drink. So in, in the end, I practiced the whole presentation. I ran through it maybe like three or four times. Uh, with the timer. Uh, it's very important to time yourself because as you remember, if you're doing it yourself, you only have 10 minutes and with a partner 20, with two partners 30. So you really have to uh, limit yourself uh, and uh, squeeze out uh, of that time the most sense that you can. So uh, maybe like uh, Captain could say a little bit of words of how like the, is his preparation going? As I said, I, I haven't started at all my my TOK presentation. Some of my some of my peers and other TOK classes have, but in my case, we've just been working on essay after essay after essay. Now talking about CAS, CAS is also a vital part of the IP program, and the, uh, in fact the most useless one is I think, because uh, the, uh, the TOK is kind of relevant to the to the IB extended essay, of course it prepares you for the university, but CAS, oh boy, it's not graded, but you have to finish it in order to finish the IB diploma. And it's the most ambiguous one, and it's the most that has individual flair and experience to it. Uh, some of the things I didn't think that would count as CAS did count. So, but, however, this might not be the case uh, in your school. So, for example, my first CAS experience was uh, one day, I think it was around October uh, in the first year, uh, me and my English literature class, we went to the play, and then after the play, it was a really nice weather, like the sunset and stuff. So I took a couple of pictures, and I said, like, okay, why why not put it as CAS? And I put it as ph photography of the night Krakow. And uh, oh, finally enough, it was approved and completed uh, the same uh, night. And I was really happy about it because I thought, oh, wow, uh, this such easy things, like literally half an hour of walking around the city and taking photos, and it already got me uh, my first cast experience. But then I quickly realized that you're kind of running out of things to do. So for me, the most challenging aspect of cast was activity, especially with quarantine. And now that I'm a kind of a physical guy, uh, I like walking, I like cycling, but that's basically rounds it up. So I'm kind of short on activities. And what about you guys? Uh, is any particular area of CAS has been an issue for you? Well, for, for me, I think I'm CAS I'm pretty alright. Uh, this is my newest creativity, so yeah, I've covered that part. Um, 
And it's just like my first experience with cast is a bit interesting. Like when we when we were first talking about it, I, I thought to myself, well, 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 shit, right? If you think about it, IB has already consumed my academic life. Cast is basically their excuse to consume my home life as well. So thank you, IB. So I thought to myself, all right, if it's going to consume my home life, I might as well build it, build it into my life. So here's a word of advice for anybody considering IB. Make your cast thing, make your like cast activities just like things you do in life already. It could be new things or it could be old things, but like just make sure you're enjoying it. That's the key thing, right? You need to enjoy what you're doing for cast. For me, uh, the first time around, I think um, for creativity, I, I picked up like I, I said, I'm gonna get better at the bass guitar, which I, which I, which I was already learning at the time. Um, for uh, for my activity, my activity is my favorite one. I I picked up kendo, which is basically like the the way of the Japanese sword. Pretty much. Ooh. So it, it's we don't use real swords. We use like wooden bamboo swords, like stands in, and we basically learn how to like sort of fight each other. It's all about like discipline, honor, you know, stuff stuff found in Bushido and the samurai stuff. Um, so that's amazing. I I in fact started my own club, like kendo club in school. So that just extended my cast activity further on. So yeah, uh, most of the most of the time when it comes to like re reflections on manage back and so on, uh, my advice for everybody out there, right? Um, you can either do like very small ones, very small reflections, like once a week, or what you can do instead is basically ignore ignore reflections, ignore reflections, enjoy your cast, and then once a month sit down. And basically think to yourself, what did I, what did I like learn, or what did I do this month that would be interesting to write down? And you don't, even, you don't even need to, need to type it up. You can like have an audio recording, and that's how I usually do it. I, I, I tend to like uh, audio record my things as well, um, for reflection, and then sometimes I also write it, write it up as well, uh, because again, I, I specialize in essay writing, so I, I tend to write things up more uh, faster. The biggest uh, strand I struggled with was service because the way our cast supervisor wants us to do it is basically we can't just help anyone. We just can't like provide goods for anyone. We have to specifically provide it for those who actually need it. So like impoverished people and so on. And we can't just say like, oh, donation of money. Because that's charity, not service, he said to us. Uh, there, there was this, there was this like, there, there, there were these like jokes that were circ circulating around my school. When we first heard of service, uh, since we're in Thailand and we're under a military junta, every every boy is needs to go into the military, or at least like an ROTC, which is basically like a lesser form of the military. And we basically asked our we all the all the Thai kids just went up to our like uh, cast supervisor and said, uh, uh, "Does does the military does military service count as service?" Which technically we're serving our country, you know. We're willing to give our blood and like lives for the soil we live on. And it just looks directly into our eyes and says, "Yeah, no, no." And like, and we we all be like very disappointed. Be like, "Come on, it's like service to our nation and so on." Um, so we, most of us we said, "All right, no." For me, I was like, "No, all right, if if." If I count, if serving my country doesn't count as service, I'm gonna do something else. I, I went up to my, uh, I went up to my, 
my supervisor and said, does joining the protest count as service? Because technically, <laughs> technically, I'm serving Thailand because I'm fighting for its future. And he, and he said to me, yeah, but on the other hand, you're also like provoking conflict. And I don't think that's the best thing you should do. And I said, but still, I'm promoting <laughs> Yeah, technically it is service. Yeah, yeah, service to my service to the people, you know. Yeah. He just, he just, he just yeah, no, look. And he said to he said he looked me directly directly into my eyes and said, "Now, mate, I don't want to get the I don't want to like get deported. So like, I don't want you ending up in a in the protest and then say, oh yeah, my teacher said I could come here for like a uh, school thing. Don't get me deported." You made by soon the idea you might have cancelled your exams there, so... Oh, no, actually, ex exams here are still going. Same. Like, like, oh, like, I guess, like, the protests here aren't that bad. They're not, like, they're, they're still, like, they're, they're, they're focused into, like, the main areas, like, the royal palace, the government buildings, and so on. Um, so, exams here are still going on, but, it's, like, half, it's been cut in half. But, like, just, like, the thing is, right, like, uh, since I take global politics, I really want to talk about Thailand for one of my assessments, like my internal exams, but, like, my global politics said, no, look, I'm a foreigner, I don't want to get deported, man, like, it's just, it's a no-touching subject, like, no, we can't touch it in our school, most because our school is linked to the government in, like, one way, uh, so, yeah, you know. Our school is private, cause like, and because of that, we don't have that no, much. No, my, mine too. Mine, mine. Ah. It's just, it's just the fact that the Thai administrator for our school has like d direct ties to like high-level government officials. Ah. <laughs> so you know, we just, <laughs> just yeah. You know. But yeah, I mean, with with I be in Thailand for Thai boys, it's pretty all right. It's just it gets harder around like August when we have to return to our military service. So we lose like an entire day in the military doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, in my school, the service wasn't a part of the problem. They, they're pretty understanding. Uh, the key is not to actually do something. It's to put it the right way. I managed to put, uh, to put uh, like I made uh, some recycling posters for my school because I, I know a little bit of graphic design. And I managed to put this as service because I helped raise awareness of the climate change and shit. So uh, the key is to, to have like a strong tongue and a, and a good relationship with the cast manager because if you have, the, if you have those two things, you will literally be able to put anything. Like if I look at my cast, uh, I uh, I put discussing a play as a service because it raised awareness of the problems in that play. So you know, actually, not funny stuff, right? Me, like, I, I talk to my class supervisor a lot anyway because, like, we're, we're not just like student to teacher; we're like friends as well. So I, I went up to him like, like, like I, I said to him, like, class supervisor, I'm, I'm frustrated. I can't find a service, man. Like, what should I do? Like. I don't know which way up to you. And I basically, I was so frustrated, I pointed to like the temple next to our school and said, all right, does going to the temple, becoming a monk, and then helping people find enlightenment count as caste? Because I'm willing to do that. <laughs> I'm willing to like, I'm willing to become, ab like, su sustain from meat, become abstinent, and shave my head for caste. Yeah, caste for life, you know. Once an IB student, or oh, forever an IB student.
And Andrew, like, is it any any, any different than USA? Because like, I think USA provides more more opportunities for cats because this culture of like clubs and stuff, as I feel, it's more developed uh, than, for example, in Eastern Europe. Because here we literally don't have any interest interest clubs. None. The students are not willing to support it. Like they're non-existent. So is your situation any better? Well, on a normal year, I think <clears throat> on a normal year, I would think that. Cast would be good. However, obviously during the pandemic, it has uh, stalled considerably. Um, but generally speaking, I'm actually not sure how good it would be. I mean, I guess I would agree that service is much easier here because you can just join a club after school, stay for like an hour or two, you know, maybe like once or twice a week, and then you can gain service really easily from that. Um, however, generally speaking, when you're in IB, you already have a lot of work as it is, so it really comes down to a question of whether or not you would want to sacrifice more of your free time in order to pursue CAS as opposed to saving time to actually study for you know your classes. Um, but also at the same time, um, I feel like most most kids, and it's probably true for you know most in the world, they definitely try to be manipulative when they're doing their CAS. Like, maybe not necessarily lying, but just telling selective truth, I think, is the best way to describe it. Trying to, <laughs> trying to like, make their activities seem as, like, seem much better than they actually are. And I think, ultimately, that's what CAS really just became. I think the IB program definitely shot themselves in the foot when they created CAS. Because all they did was really give students a, <laughs> just... They gave the students a reason to learn Photoshop. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's really bad. Um, like for me, I believe the caste system is fundamentally flawed, right? Activity and creativity, they like they tend to like ruin the stuff you do for them. Like legit, right? I I, I, I put I put I put base, like base as my creativity. I like I enjoyed it before cast. I enjoyed it before I beat. But then as soon as I because as soon as but as soon as I joined IB, I began to look at it instead of I instead of looking at it as a hobby, I looked at it as a work. So Slowly, it just dragged me down, and I didn't enjoy it anymore. And that's what I, that was. That was one of my reflections. I said, "Cast is fundamentally flawed." So the simple fact it has ruined many things for me. But my worst part, my most nitpicky part of cast is service. Because the thing is, with service, they're trying to promote like char charitable actions. You know, like um, like sort of altruism. You know, doing things for the goodwill. But the thing is, the way they do it and making it mandatory sort of stops you from doing it for the goodwill. Because I've seen many IB students in my school just adopt, like, let's get this over with attitude for char to charity. And, like, personally, I don't think that's the best way to teach the students to become charitable. Because that's not going to be long-lasting. As soon as they finish IB, they're going to stop. Because there's no longer, like, any reward at the end for doing good. Yeah, like, uh, the the cast program it doesn't really, uh, I I don't think it should uh, it's it should be mandatory at least and it should be remote or removed at best because it really first of all uh, uh, the cast uh, the service part of cast is it's extremely hard for introverts the uh, the people that don't want to interact with other people. My service, uh, because uh, because I'm an introvert, I had to uh, come up with all those crazy stuff to do on my uh, on my own, just because 
I don't have any friends at school, so I had to. I did, literally did all of my tasks by myself. I didn't have like anyone helping with it, and uh, yeah, for sure, it boosted creativity, uh, <laughs> creativity in coming up with cast ideas. But also, you know, when you're an introvert and you don't have uh, anyone to participate in it, it's, uh, it becomes even more mundane, and you don't feel that what you're doing is helping you. Like uh, cooking, for example. One of my experiences was cooking, and I like cooking, especially with, with someone. But because I don't have anyone, uh, I cook on by myself. And uh, again, it became... Uh, it became as uh, a source of uh, fuel for su survival rather than like an actual hobby. So the classes uh, are failing on all fronts uh, of uh, helping us to acquire new hobbies. It's, it instead, it, uh, as you said, it transforms it into like work you have to do in order to complete your diploma, and that's not a very great approach to to making students do uh, making students improve themselves. Because they improve and then they lose all my motivation. Like I tried three D modeling before I three IB. When I put it, put it as cast, I don't want to do this anymore just because I'm tired as hell of it. Uh, cooking, chess, cycling, the general design, painting. I I basically lost most of my motivation uh, just as, a bit, as as it became cast because I had a schedule like yeah I have to paint today and who cares that I don't have like the inspiration and stuff I just have to do this just because of cast and it really demotivates students Now on to the questions from our future fellow listeners, because this is our first episode. So, a guy named Fern asked us, Sometimes I would go off track from the prompts when doing TOK. How do I approach with writing my TOK exhibition with better relation to the prompt? And I think that is the question that most of the IB students have. Like The subject of TOK is such a broad one that uh, you will surely at some point uh, caught, uh, caught yourself that, oh wait, I'm actually writing not what I was asked for. So maybe one of the advice I could give is to lay down the structure and, uh, uh, and lay down the plan. And for each point of the plan, you could uh, ask yourself, does this uh, relate to the original question and not to the previous one? Now, the fallacy that most students have is they, uh, they write the first paragraph and then they write it at the second one as a continuation of the first and then, and then the, the next, the next, the next. And in the end, in the final paragraph, the theme uh, must be uh, might be completely lost, and it might not answer the question. So, as as important as it is to make have the flow of the paragraphs, it, uh, it's very important to ask yourself: Does every subtitle uh, relate in some way to the original question? Like, as for example, as I've said in our, my TOK essay writing experience. Uh, every uh, uh, paragraph had to answer the question, does this relate to my prescribed title? And does it add something new to it? You don't have, you don't, you can't restate what you've said in the last one. It has to be, to be something new as well as uh, relate, relatable to the prescribed title. 
Anything else you have to add? Um, for me, like, when writing any essay, my advice would be, uh, especially linking to your, uh, to the question about uh, going off track, right? As I said at the beginning of this podcast, I personally use the PETO format, and I follow that format religiously. And at the basically at the at the end of every single uh, paragraph, there's the L, the link, and you need to you basically need to link it back to the question. You need to link your point back to the question. So if you're unable to link your point back to the question, that already means you're already going off track. So every time you finish a paragraph, stop, read it, and then see what you can write uh, below it to link it back. So it's usually you could usually use a keyword in the question to link it back to the question. Um, you could use a key theme that would link it back to the question. The key is always to stop, read your point, and then try to and then see what you can write to to link it back to the original question. Okay, and Ender, our fellow colleague. I basically agree with Mao. Um, you have to make sure that every point that you are trying to make, like, you have to make sure that every point you are trying to make ha somehow links back to the prompt. I don't know if there is any like concrete way to do that without just without just understanding that. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing to go off track, but if you are genuinely having tr trouble maintaining focus on your actual prompt, I would say that you would probably need to just do more organization. You would need to understand exactly what you are talking about in each paragraph per se. Every single point that you want to make, you have to specifically outline, and then you should probably ask yourself, okay, what am I actually going to talk about with this point, and how is that actually going to link back to the prompt that I'm given? And it may sound a little robotic to do that, but I think at the end of the day, by you're just essentially confirming to yourself that you do have a, some some kind of plan to link your points back to the prompt, you might be able to go about it in a more efficient way. And you know, even if it you know, ends up sounding more robotic than you intended, I think it shouldn't be that difficult going back, making it sound more eloquent, or just generally structuring it better. Okay, so this wraps the first episode of the I Hope This Counts as Cast podcast. If your question did not appear on our Q&A section, make sure to either rewrite it on the survey that we would send on the next week, or just follow along because all the questions that you've sent for this one will also be answered in the future episodes. Stay safe, folks. That's all. See you guys. Well, have, hopefully you have a nice day or evening or night, wherever you are. Time of day. Yeah, stay yes. safe. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.